In the United States alone in 2018, pornography was a $13 billion a year business. Internationally, we are talking about $97 billion in cash money around the world. That is more than the NFL, NBA, and MLB make combined. Porn is what we like to watch, and we like to watch it on our phones. One in five smartphone searches are for pornography. 80,000 people visit Pornhub every minute. Porn receives more streaming visits than your favorite mobile sites combined. Twitter, Netflix, Amazon, all of those things put together. Porn puts them to shame. And it isn't just men. One in three visitors to an adult website will be a woman. And so if we're gonna talk about the digital world, we, we have to talk about this vice. The term pornography, it comes from the Greek porneia. It's often translated as sexual immorality. And when Jesus or Paul talk about porneia or sexual immorality, they use this all-encompassing term to talk about any sexual activity that deviates from God's plan and standard. And so we're going to talk about porn, and we're going to define it as this. Anything we see, read, or hear that's designed to cause sexual arousal. And if Jesus could speak to us today, I truly believe there'd be a number of issues he would address. And this would be one of them. He would talk about our culture's obsession with sexual immorality. You know why? Because... He talked about it, and Paul talked about it in the New Testament. In many ways, we're on par with the Romans. (laughs) We're on par with the Gentile world. We're, We're not doing anything new under the sun. We just have access to it with a click of a button. But the danger is still there. I believe he would confront this issue because it abuses and mars the image of God. It destroys relationships and marriages, and it fails to glorify God. And you would think that we would know this as believers, but 50% of Christian families claim that pornography is an issue in their home. So if half of us struggle with it, if half of us struggled with alcohol addiction, you best bet your bottom dollar I'm going to talk about that in a service. And so I want the 50% to raise your hand. No, I'm not just joking. We're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. But 50% of people struggle with this issue. And guys, it's a very real struggle. And to pretend it's not there, it's doing you and, and myself a, a disservice. I want to look at the way it affects the brain. I want to look at the way it affects our hearts, our relationship with others, our heart for God. And I want to look at how it affects society, how it affects culture. And then I want to look at what what does God tell us as, as our way to approach this issue? How should we handle this issue? How should we engage this issue? And so the first part's going to be a little bit of psychology, a little bit of study and sociology, but then we're going to really come back to God's word and and really dive into that here at the end. But, But first thing to think about is porn affects your brain. Porn affects your brain. In in his article, The New Narcotic, Morgan Bennett states, neurological research has revealed that the effect of internet pornography on the human brain 
is just as potent, if not more so, than addictive chemical substances such as cocaine or heroin. And to make matters worse, there are 1.9 million cocaine users, there are 2 million heroin users in the United States, compared to 40 million regular users of online pornography. And here's what's going on in your brain. Certain activities like drug usage or viewing pornography, they turn up your brain's dopamine production as high as it can go. If you don't know what dopamine is, it's that chemical in your brain that says, this is awesome. Like, this is great. You're on a roller coaster, that's a little bit of dopamine there. I mean, you get a little bit of a, oh my goodness, this is amazing, this is fun. But when that production is elevated, time after time, when you spend time after time at those elevated levels, the more your brain's dopamine receptors, the parts of your brain that respond to dopamine, they start to plug their ears, kind of like a a referee at a high school football game. They plug their ears. I I don't want to hear it anymore. And with drugs and porn, what once gave you a rush no longer does. This is the process of desensitization. And most porn users and drug users respond to it the same way. They don't stop using. They increase their usage and their usage becomes more dangerous. So for the porn consumer, they increase more porn and they they increase the consumption of more novel pornography, taboo pornography, disgusting pornography, dangerous pornography, or pornography that's even outright illegal. It's because what gave them a high doesn't give them a high anymore. And, and I'm now viewing something I would never view. And if you need some earmuffs, I have some for him. <laughs> some, some earplugs too. Uh, but it also talks about how pornography literally changes the matter within our brains. He says, think of the brain as a forest where trails are worn down by hikers who walk along the same path Over and over again, day after day, the exposure to pornographic images creates similar neural pathways that over time become more and more well-paved as they are repeatedly traveled with each exposure to pornography. And those neurological pathways eventually become the trail in the brain's forest by by which all sexual interactions are routed. Thus, a, a user has unknowingly created a neurological circuit that makes his or her default perspective towards sexual matters ruled by the norms and expectations of pornography. That's deadly in a marriage. German researchers also found an association between the number of hours of porn someone consumes each week and the less gray matter they have in their brains. Gray matter is the darker tissue of the brain and spinal cord. It's associated with decision-making and intelligence. So as you sit there and view those images over and over again, you are literally getting dumber. You remember the commercial in the, in the late 80s, early 90s about drugs, and there was an egg involved? This is your brain. This is, and they crack it, and they throw it in the skillet, and it fries. This is your brain on drugs. A similar thing happens when we... We view pornography. And here's where it gets really dangerous and why pornography can be extra lethal. We can metabolize drugs out of our bodies. We can physiologically 
get rid of. Whatever drug we're consuming, even if we've been consuming it over a long period of time, we, our bodies can heal in that sense. We cannot metabolize images out of our memories. They are there. They are now there. Unless you believe in hypnosis, which, you know, I don't. I mean, you, you can't really suppress those memories or get rid of them altogether in the way you could a chemical substance. And some, Bennett writes, brain research confirms the critical fact that pornography is a drug delivery system that has a distinct and powerful effect on the human. It has a distinct and powerful effect upon the human brain and nervous system. It changes the brain. And you may think it's not that big of a deal then. Okay, you know, cocaine users die. Well, I think porn users die a different kind of death. I mean, you can be alive and, and dead. This kind of brings me to my next thing, is porn changes the heart. Really changes the heart. The more one uses pornography, the more lonely one becomes. That's from Dr. Gary Brooks. He's a psychologist who's worked with addicts for the last 30 years. Anytime a person spends much time with the usual uh, pornography cycle, it can't help but be a depressing, demeaning, and self-loathing kind of experience. The worse people feel about themselves... Naturally, when we feel bad about ourselves, we go to somebody else for help. We go to a loved one, to a spouse, to a good friend uh, who loves Jesus, who can encourage us. But most consumers of pornography aren't exactly excited to share this issue with other people. And so where do they go to find comfort? Porn. They go back to pornography, and the cycle starts anew. It's because we're ashamed to talk about it. Anxiety, body image issues, poor self-image, relationship problems, insecurity, depression, they're all associated with this pastime. One sociologist showed that its usage is often associated with a decline in religious commitment and an increase religious doubts. So if you want someone to pray less, read God's word less, worship less, evangelize less, and doubt God's goodness more, and doubt God's faithfulness more, just get them a Pornhub account for Christmas, and it will achieve that end. Studies have also shown that it erodes a person's ability to love and feel loved with a real partner. When men are exposed to porn, they rate themselves as less in love with their actual partners, less satisfied with their relationships and intimacy lives. They become more critical and dissatisfied with their partner's appearance, performance, and displays of affection. The chances of infidelity in marriage increase by 300% with regular porn usage. It changes your brain. It changes your heart. And lastly, it affects our culture. It hurts our world. Among the effects of the use of pornography on our increased negative attitude towards women, decreased empathy for victims of sexual violence, and an increase in dominating and imposing behavior. The Department of Justice and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, Exploited Children, both recognize that pornography is an element that adds to the serious problem of sex trafficking. 
What consumers don't realize is the abuse and violence that's so often performed on screen sometimes isn't really an act. What's real is that it's an act of exploitation incited by force, fraud, or coercion, which is sex trafficking by definition. So when you view porn, you are either contributing to sex trafficking or a system that feeds sex trafficking. Porn destroys your brain, your heart. It destroys the world. It hurts our relationship with our father. It creates distance, a hardness of heart, an ability to love others well, an ability to think correctly and view our our loved ones and the opposite gender as image bearers. I mean, you can see why Paul in 1 Corinthians 6.18 says this. He says, flee from sexual immorality. Flee. Turn your back and run. Don't flirt with it. Don't wait till you're in the back seat to say maybe this isn't a good idea. Don't get in the back seat. You know, don't wait till you're up at 2 a.m. by yourself in the dark to say maybe this isn't a good idea to be online right now. It says to run, flee, flee from the dangerous enjoyment of sexual pleasure outside of God's wise design for its enjoyment in marriage. It is a good thing. We talk about all the time. I did youth ministry. This is the analogy I talked about all the time. Sex in, 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 in marriage is, is a great thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's, 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 I mean, anymore, I'm going to sound really weird. <laughs> anymore, I try to talk it up. It's awesome. Trust me. Uh, um, but it is. It's great. But then you take it out and it, it, it destroys. It creates problems and baggage and issues. Guys, even though our culture says it's not that big of a deal, sociology, psychology, they all say these things, it, it destroys people. The more partners you have, the, the dangerous it is. The more you explore that world of, of pleasure outside of marriage, it's, it's a dangerous thing. A fire in the fireplace is good. You've heard this before. A fire in the fireplace is good. You take a fire outside of the fireplace, you'll burn your whole house down. The house will be destroyed. Not a functional house anymore. Whether you're strolling by a strip club or scrolling through the information superhighway, flee. And we're going to use this acronym, flee. And I don't remember where I, I heard this strategy from. It was years ago when I, when I first started talking about this. Uh, but when it comes to fleeing such vices, flee. We'll look at F. First, fill yourself with Christ. That's the first part of fleeing. Fill yourself with Christ. Proverbs 9, 13 through 17 says this, the woman of folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest place of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. This is the voice 
of someone promising satisfaction to a hungry man passing by a pretty girl's house. But then if you read the next verse, the truth is revealed. 18, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Don't fill yourself with, with stolen or secret bread and stolen water that leads to death. Fill yourself with Jesus Christ. If you want to take this issue seriously, fill yourself with Jesus Christ. And it first starts with believing in Christ. Look at John 6, 35. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Sexual pleasure outside of God's will will not bring satisfaction. But Christ, on the other hand, he will. He will speak to your desire for intimacy, your loneliness, your insecurity. Fill yourself by fully believing he is the bread of life. Look at 47 through 48 of John 6. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me has eternal life. I am the bread of God. We fill ourselves by opening God's word and reading. Look at Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. We should fill ourselves by being around like-minded Christians who are going to encourage us to read God's word, to pray, to pursue him. Look at Colossians 3, 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Fill yourself with Christ. Fill yourself with Christ. Sometimes we think of Christianity as just a bunch of no's, a list of no's, like you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do this. And, and there is some of that. I mean, scripture says, you know, don't be a, a jerk. You know, you know, don't treat people kindly. Like don't, you know, don't not forgive. And like, there, there's plenty of, of don't, but but the idea here is because God has something better. It's because God has something better for us. And, and so when we say, you know, don't watch this, don't get online, don't use your phones to do this, it's not just creating a, a hole in your heart. The idea is to fill that with, with knowing God, following God, and being in relationship with God. And what happens is, is the more we read God's word and get to know him, the more we pray, the, the more we rest in his promises, the more we're thankful for his blessings, the reality is, is the less we'll want to veer from his plan for our lives. So if you want to, to not sin because you're seeing its destructiveness work out in your life, you know, you can put up boundaries and we'll talk about that and all these things, but, but really you need to love Jesus more. You need to love Jesus so much that that sin is, is no longer appealing. I don't even want to do this because it's going to affect my relationship with you, God. It's going to affect my heart, my ability to do what you want me to do. Fill yourself with Christ. Next, lock out the lies. In 2006, four boneheads tried to steal a koala from the Queensland Zoo so they could sell it for drug money. Well, the koala attacked them. It didn't end up well, and so they stole a four-foot alligator, 
or a crocodile instead to sell for drug money. These are smart, very smart gentlemen here. Why did they go to the koala first? It's because they believed the, the lie. You know, we all look at koalas and what's the lie why we believe when we see a cute picture of a koala? We're like, man, this koala is cuddly. Look at him hanging on the tree, just eating away at the leaves. Like, I want to hold a koala. But the truth is, is they have sharp claws and teeth. And they can destroy you. They can bite your face off. If you're not careful, koalas aren't cuddly and cute. They are, they may be cute, but they are dangerous and deadly. And it's the same thing with, with sexual immorality. Culture says it's harmless. Man, it's part of growing up. It has no cost or consequence. I mean, Joey and Chandler watched free porn for like two days, right? On Friends. It's hilarious. It's, you know, it's, it's portrayed as a normal thing that people do on television. Up, oh, just watching a little porn. Without realizing it really does destroy. Look at Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. Paul is confronting false teaching propagated by the world and by Satan. And yes, the heresy here is about Jesus and who Jesus is. But his words still apply to our discussion of pornography. Don't be taken captive by worldly philosophies, by what you see on social media or on television programming or on TikTok when it comes to your beliefs about sexuality. In a sense, the idea is don't buy what the world is selling. It's a lie. It will not complete you. If you don't have sex, you won't die. I promise you, young people, to abstain. You'll, you'll live. You won't combust and blow up. I was hanging out with a person the other day, and he was talking about, man, I'm really glad I lived with my spouse before we got married. It's just, that was just what culture says to do, right? Live with your spouse before you get married so you can get a little practice run. And I told him, well, actually, and I wasn't like, well, actually. But I just, you know, I said, hey, do you know statistics actually show uh, divorce rates increase if you live with your wife before you get married? And he was like, really? That's just crazy. I mean, that's, but that's what the world sells to us about sexuality, about sexual morality is, and it's a lie. It actually destroys. In fact, we need to not just block out the lies. We need to exchange lies for truth. That's the third part. Exchange lies for truth. Guys, unless you retreat from the world and become a bunch of Quakers and grow chin beards and drive carriages, uh, you are going to be bombarded by the lies. So what we have to do as Christians is we have to exchange lies for, for truth. Which is hard because we were born exchanging the truth for a lie. Like that's how scripture paints the picture of those who have yet to put their faith and trust in Jesus. And we've bought the lie about sexuality. Look at Romans 1, 24, 25. Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, 
because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, which is the definition of sexual immorality. I'm going to serve. I'm going to order my life. I will only be happy. I will only find comfort in the opposite gender, not in God alone. That's, that's, that's idolatry. But God reverses that when he gives us a new self. Look at Ephesians 4, 21 through 24. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. So God has given us the ability to not believe the lie anymore. We can put on the new self and understand what's true and live a life of holiness. And so when tempted, we should consistently reject lies and rehearse truth. And a lot of us need to do that, not just when it comes to to sexual issues. We should do that when it comes to our identity. We should do that when it comes to uh, pain in life and, and what God is doing and hardships. But even when it comes to this issue, you know, we, we, we say sinful pleasures are not filling, but fleeting. That's Hebrews 11, 24, 26. People are not objects, but image bearers. That's Genesis 1, 27. This is not a private issue, but it reaches heaven and eternity. Psalm 51, 4. Sexual sin isn't harmless, but defrauding. That's 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 6. This is not inevitable. I think sometimes we get in these situations like, I just can't stop. It's going to happen. That's not the truth. God always provides a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Your past does not define you. Christ's blood does. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 11. We need to be able to preach ourselves, preach to ourselves and exchange lies for truth. Here's the last one. We'll wrap up. Expose yourself to the light. Expose yourself to the light. If you fall to to sexual sin, you're going to be tempted to hide in the dark and pretend it didn't happen. Or you're just going to say, I can get over it myself. I'll start on Monday. Well, in the dark, sin festers and grows. It's like cockroaches or bugs. It's just, that's that's where it likes to live. Confession brings sin to light and the light to our eyes to see what we could never see in the dark. The holiness of God, the sinfulness of sin, the glory of God's grace. John weaves these things together in 1 John 5, 7. This is the message we have heard from you and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Coming to Christ means coming out of hiding to be exposed by the light, not to be put to shame, but to be covered by Christ's blood. Are you hiding? Are you hiding this issue? Confess your sins to God because guess what? He forgives 
He forgives. He is the same yesterday, today. He'll be the same tomorrow. He will forgive then. He'll forgive now. We shouldn't wait for tomorrow. But, but, but our God forgives. The other part about coming out into the light is inviting other people into that struggle. Look at our last verse, Hebrews 3, 12 through 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ. Indeed, if we indeed hold our original confidence firm till the end. This, this process of self-examination and sanctification is a community project. There's a trend growing in Christianity where, and a lot of it's because of COVID, we've been isolated, but just this sense of like, and it's been happening for years, but I think growing even recently, but my faith is between me and God. It's just about me and God. But that's not how Jesus spoke. That's not how Paul spoke. He spoke to churches and groups. He's consistently telling people to encourage one another, to build one another up. You were not meant to fight this battle or any battle alone in isolation. And, and I'm encouraging you right now. If you are fighting it in isolation, there is a family at Central Bible Church who would love to come alongside you and grow with you. And we don't approach it as you're the messed up one and we're doing great. We approach it as I need, as the lead pastor here, encouragement from other people in all sorts of areas in my life. And so I know you need that because God tells us we all need that. You're not meant to fight this battle alone. You're not meant to fight any battle alone. We are to help one another flee from anything that devours and destroys the heart. So my challenge for you this week is that you're honest with at least one other believer of the same gender if this sermon is hitting home for you in any way. Bite the bullet, hug the cactus, and do what is hard so that you can experience freedom that comes from knowing and following Christ. God has something better for you.